to the RN to Writer Show, where nurses learn how to become freelance writers. I'm your host, Elizabeth Haynes, RN. If you'd like more tips on how to launch and grow a freelance writing business, be sure to visit our website, rn2writer.com. And hey, you can catch this show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Today on the show, we would like to welcome all the way from Brussels, <laughs> Shannon Goldrick. Shannon is a registered nurse with a passion for global health and preventative health initiatives. Her work experience includes working in a neurosurgical intensive care unit at a level one trauma center in New York State, and more recently, the COVID-19 intensive care units. Yikes, I bet that was something. Over the last two years, Shannon has transitioned to working full-time for the company Medical Visual, a digital heart health platform and trusted resource for cardiovascular disease and diabetes information. Very cool. (laughs) Shannon received her baccalaureate degree in nursing from the University of Connecticut. Give a shout out for the alma mater. Go Huskies. (laughs) And she earned her MSN with a specialization in nursing education at Sacred Heart University. Shannon is an avid traveler, obviously, loves spending time in the great outdoors, and is thrilled to have some downtime to enjoy life now that you've completed your master's degree. Well, I can appreciate that, even though I don't have a master's. Welcome, (laughs) Shannon, and thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show today. Of course. And Elizabeth, thank you for having me. Um, I, I was telling you that I was just really a fan of your platform and wh- how you work with nurses to get them out of that mindset that they can only be bedside nurses. We are essentially scientists. We have, uh, you know, most of us have bachelor's, master's, some even PhDs, uh, doctorates, and we have such a strong foundation in not only nursing courses, but in, uh, you know, foundational courses like literature and and whatnot. So there's so much room for us to grow, um, not only as people, but within our careers. So thank you for having me and letting me tell a bit of my story. Absolutely. And this is an interesting story between you and me. Um, So I want to fill the audience in on that. So you knew of me and our interwriter, but I did not know of you until you reached out to me on Instagram and said, hey, followed you for a little while, became a writer. Now I'm in a position to actually hire other nurse writers, wondered if you could help me out. So how, just for my edification, can you tell me how you discovered RN to Writer and did that play any role in your journey to becoming a nurse writer? Yes, actually. um, And, you know, it's a bit funny because I'm talking, I'm going to speak about the influence you had on me, but you really had no idea who I, who I even was. Uh, So I, when I first started looking for remote work. Um, I, you know, just did a basic research. What can nurses do outside of the bedside? And I stumbled upon nurse writer. I had always liked writing. Uh, I took some advanced literature courses, uh, writing courses throughout high school and throughout college. And I figured 
this could be something I can do. I like medicine. I like writing. Sounds like the perfect gig. Um, and I, I typed in something along the right, the lines of nurse writer on Instagram, just to see who was out there doing it, what the, what the market was like. And I stumbled upon your page. Um, and I, I just really, you know, your, the way that you present your content just really caught my eye, um, and how you train nurses to get into this field with no background, um, specifically in writing. What I find so fascinating about this is that one of the things I tell nurses about being a writer is that it expands your reach and impact so much Mm -hmm. that you will be influencing people's behavior that you you've never met like a patient at the bedside, the way you get to interact personally, but you'll be influencing so many people. And that's exactly how this worked too. So I, I'm fascinated by that. And thanks. Thank you for sharing it. Of course. So then how did the rest of your journey unfold that took you to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So my, my story is uh, a bit complex and not to, you know, dive too much into the, the details of my personal life, but um, I graduate. So I graduated from the university of Connecticut and in 2018, uh, I almost immediately, a few months later, started uh, working in a critical care unit. I started my fellowship at a level one trauma center uh, on Long Island. I love critical care. I specialize specifically in neurosurgery, but um, I, we do float to other units. Um, and as you know, we discussed before, uh, COVID, working in the COVID ICU uh, what, was what I was doing most of the time before I left um, to go full-time with my now remote position. Um, I have been in uh, long-distance relationships since, uh, since before I even started uh, my career there. And I, you know, just me, I like to be a few steps ahead. And I thought, well, what can I do if I maybe want to work abroad? Um, I knew I had to do my, you know, my two, my at least two years in critical care. I ended up staying a bit more, but, um, but I, I started my master's um, and I ultimately started looking for remote careers. And I, um, and I wasn't in a rush to get into one. I figured, let me just be proactive and, and start looking ahead of time. And so I applied for probably over 100 jobs. And I didn't really have the qualifications for most of them. Um, a few I got back, but they were a little bit too corporate-y for me, I should say. And, um, and I ended up getting a bite back from, um, from medical visual, uh, which was at the time, just cardiovisual before we started expanding our horizons a bit. And they were looking for a clinical educator. And I said, well, I'm getting my master's in education. That seems like it might fit. I'm not really sure what this entails, but let's go ahead for it. Um, and I, you know, ended up speaking with some of, uh, some of the team, they're all wonderful. And, uh, they, they really needed someone to help with build the library of clinical education. Um, and 
the company at the time was still a bit more in the startup phase. So there wasn't a fixed position that I was going into, which was really the beauty of my job um, because I almost got to create my own, my own position there. And so I, I said to them, where do you really need help right now? Um, and of course they went through a, a few points and we ended up coming to the conclusion that with my background, writing content, not only for the app, but for social media um, based on those educational videos uh, would be a good fit for me. Um, and that's how I started just a few hours a week. Uh, I would either work on new campaigns or use older videos uh, from the app that could still go out on social media, you know, the general cardiovascular and diabetes education that is um, still good after a few years that people still need to know. Um, and so that's where I started um, writing and I didn't really have formal training um, on that, but after some self-research and, and working through with some of my team members, uh, that got me to where I am today. My responsibilities have evolved quite a bit. I'm a bit more in a leadership role now, but I still do. Um, I still do write that content, and uh, it does remain one of my core responsibilities at the company. I'm a, a huge fan of starting writing as basically a side gig, mm -hmm. which is, sounds like how you approached it as well. Yes, I was still working full time uh, in the ICU while I was um, while I was doing this. Uh, I was working. I was working night shift. I was in school, and I was doing this as a side gig. So, as you can imagine, I wasn't sleeping much. <laughs> I love that you shared that, though, because a lot of nurses, you know, ask me like they say, "How am I supposed to be able to do this on the side?" And I say, "You just, you just do it on the side, mm -hmm. like you know." <laughs> And you're proving that point because you not only were working full time, but you were in school and you still did it on the side. And then you can expand it as as you want to. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, one of the great things about freelancing is you have ultimate control over how much you're doing it, when you're doing it, and mm -hmm. it's portable. So you kind of took it on the road in a big way. Uh, moving to Europe. And honestly, I would love to be able to do that someday. Also, I pictured myself on a balcony in Barcelona, checking in on my email a few times a day. But I don't think it's as simple as some people think it is. Can you tell us a little about what that transition was like? Sure. Yes. So um, I was going back and forth, uh, you know, for quite a quite a few years, thank you to the beauty of a nursing schedule, you can bulk your days and get away for, you know, a bit over a week without actually having to take a day off. Um, and so I was going back and forth and on my days um, and my days in between, while my partner was at work, I was still doing my freelance work for cardiovisual. And um, eventually uh, I just decided that it was too much school was coming to an end and I couldn't keep sleeping three hours per night. Um, it, it's not good for you. It's not good for you to do that for sustained periods of time. It's okay to hustle for a bit, but it's just not sustainable. And, um, I decided, um, 
again, for personal reasons, there's currently a, a travel ban on Europeans coming to the United States um, that I was just going to be uh, very transparent with my boss and uh, explain that at this point in my life right now, I, I think I need to be here. Um, and so he graciously gave me that flexibility. Um, while you are here short time for short periods of time, it's okay um, to be, you know, freelancing like that. Um, but there are some obstacles such as, um, you know, taxation in different countries. Uh, you cannot be, you cannot be double taxed, um, depending on the country that you're in, um, or the country that you're coming from, I should say, maybe not all of our um, listeners are from the United States, but you definitely have to check in uh, with, you definitely have to check in with a lawyer is my recommendation. Um, because if you're in a country for a certain amount of time, you have to pay the taxes here. Uh, so you um, you should definitely check in with uh, some legal consultant and um, and get some advice from them regarding that. I think that's probably the most important aspect. I personally know several freelance writers. They're not nurses, but they have freelanced as expats, some of them for years, mm -hmm. haven't been back to the U.S. And what I have heard from them is the taxation issue that like, you, yes, you can't skirt like you can't just be over there working in a foreign country and not tell them that you're working and then conversely your U.S. tax situation becomes more complicated and you want mm -hmm. to have a professional handling that like you said an actual attorney and not doing your own research on the internet <laughs> right because you'll find I trust me I've done my internet research and <laughs> all it told me to do was to seek professional help um, because it also depends upon the visa you're here on um, I am allowed to work in Europe uh, because um I'm here on a certain type of visa, whereas if I was here maybe on a student one, I, I couldn't work here. So um, it really depends on what country you're going to. And this is something you definitely need to look into probably before you go. Um, and another another item is the time difference. Um, so I... I give up a lot of my evenings, especially during the early part of the week, uh, to work on to work during U.S. hours. I'm very fortunate that the, the job is flexible and a lot of it is independent work, um, so I can structure my schedule in that way, in the sense that you know maybe I only have to work two, uh, three, twelve-hour days a week or four, um, and then not so much the rest of the week. Maybe just check in on emails. But some nights I am working until midnight or one o'clock in the morning um, to, you know, stay. I, my company is based out of Austin, Texas. So we're seven hours apart. Uh, and I have a coworker in LA now. So we're nine hours apart. You have to be flexible. Um, if your boss gives you the flexibility to work in another country, then I think you should be uh, reciprocal with, with that and be flexible for them and have calls at 11, 12, one at this point in my life, I don't, I don't have children and it, it works for me. And I'm used to working 7 PM to 7 AM. So this is a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, I'm glad you pointed out that there are practical considerations as well. Now you're in a 
staff job. Um, but as if, if someone was freelancing, you would need to keep in mind scheduling interviews potentially with subject mm-hmm. matter experts and the time zone difference. I mean, I can't tell you how many interviews just within the continental US I screwed up because of time zones that I didn't get right. So it's a little more tricky when you're living, you know, seven or eight hours away from where your sources might be. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, you really have to be on top of it. I set frequent frequent alarms on my phone to remind me when meetings are because you get caught up making dinner and and all of this. And you're like, oh, my, my day has just started, actually. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure it feels a little strange. Now, when you um, when you were starting out, you immediately found a, a health app to work with. And I have to tell you that although I'm now retired from freelance writing, I really, really wanted to write for apps and I could not figure out how to do that, which I'm sad to say I think is partly my age. Um, I was wondering if you would please, for the audience, demystify, first of all, like how to crack that market. Like how do you find apps, app companies, developers who might use freelancers? And secondly, exactly what kind of content do apps need or want? Sure. So um, I... I just so happened to get lucky and I was applying on, I believe it was Indeed or or LinkedIn. And I just, I didn't even realize that this company um, had an app as their product. Um, But there are so many medical, um, medical apps out there that need nurse writers. If you think about it, we're the ones educating patients, families, other clinicians, uh, new nurses, whoever it may be at the bedside. Um, so why not translate that knowledge into, into writing? And it really depends upon um, the, the goal of the app, um, what you'll be writing. So I predominantly write uh, from the videos on the app, what they're about, what the audience will be learning from them. I handle the clinical content that comes through like the storyboards. Um, so I, I do have a bit greater of a role than just writing there. Um, but also for social media, there's social media for patient that predominantly have patients on it. And there's social media that predominantly has experts on it. So how are we taking that same piece of content and spinning it to be relevant to experts or to be relevant to patients. And that's something that um, that's something that we really excel in catering toward um, the specific need of that, of those on a specific platform um, and using your background as a nurse, which uh, someone in, let's just say, I don't know, marketing, they don't have that experience and that background to know exactly what a patient might understand versus versus a clinician. That is key. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a key differentiator for nurses who now are becoming writers is they have to connect those dots, I think, for prospective clients about 
you know, I have worked with patients. I have good insight into, Mm -hmm. as you said, what they understand and not only that, but what their frustrations and pain points are. Right. And Um, if I'm, if I'm precepting a new nurse um, or I'm teaching them what they need to tell the patient is important. I'm speaking in a completely different language than I would be to a patient um, that needs to learn about that same condition or treatment device and whatever it may be. Um, And to really separate those two worlds to improve the literacy of both parties. I want to take a moment to emphasize also that you've just now talked about several different types of writing, mm-hmm. um, informational writing that you glean from videos or storyboards, but also social media writing, which is an entirely different skill. Mm-hmm. And yet you did not have any previous experience as a writer. Uh, have you learned this all on the job? I have learned most of this on the job. Um, I've had a few great mentors along the way that really um, that really have guided me through. Of course, I've done my own personal research um, in, in terms of a bit of marketing. I've really researched on my own. Um, And it's not because I want to twist the information to be false, but I I want to be able to catch the reader's eye uh, in a way, because as nurses, we're always taught to be, um, we're always taught to be very straightforward. Um, But when you're a writer, you do have to add a little bit more flavor uh, to what you're doing while still keeping the core, um, the core message that you're trying to convey to your audience, which is the educational piece for our, for our purposes. That is a fascinating point. Um, I, I do find that some nurses are hesitant to basically use copywriting techniques, um, you know, calls to action, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't help those patients or those professionals if we never get them to come to our content. So exactly, mm-hmm. it is important to, as you said, you know, we don't have to write headlines that are clickbait and that don't deliver on the promise of the headline. Like it's important if you're writing a social media status, for example, that if they click through, you fulfill the promise that you made, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you can't use that creative um, sales copywriting type of techniques to get them to the message. Exactly. And it's really the ultimate goal here is to have you click on that link to get to get to get to a video that will help you and improve your health outcomes. Um, And it's just a way of of doing that in a catchy fashion. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I wanted to highlight the fact that you came into this with without previous experience, because so many nurses tell me they don't think that's possible. Like they're not sure that they can learn this without, you know, extensive training. Although of course that's what partly what I sell courses for is to give Mm -hmm. that training. And I do think that the training gives a person 
a head start, you could say, on people who Absolutely. are trying to do it just on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I won't deny it's perfectly possible to do it on your own. I always say none of us had any writing experience before we decided to plunge into freelancing or becoming a writer. You know, you do have to kind of learn on the job, like you said, through mentors or excellent editors are another great source of learning. Yeah. And if there's something I could add there, it's, you know, I, I have always excelled a bit in my writing courses. And I think that had allowed me to maybe go in with not so much formal training. However, now that it's been, it's that it's been almost two years, I want to step back and maybe take a course or two to see how I can keep improving myself and, and keep pushing and, you know, delivering content that people are interested in learning about. Um, So I I do think that having a course, whether it be in the very beginning of your writing career, or maybe a little bit into it will a hundred percent help you no matter what. Um, So it's for sure something that I would advocate for. Did you find it challenging to shift writing gears, so to speak, from academic writing to consumer writing? Yes, it's interesting you ask that. Um, It will feel awkward at first. Um, Like you said, the call to action, I, I just felt weird writing it. And I, you know, my my boss just kept telling me, uh, who is also a clinician. Um, he's like, no, no, this is what you, this is the call to action. This is what we want the user to do. And so it's okay that you write this and you're used to writing very objectively and um, almost boring in a sense, you know, there's no entertainment and scholarly papers. Um, so you have to create a combination of both of those styles um, when you're writing for uh, educational platforms like this. Mm-hmm. I think I tell, I tell clinicians all the time that eradicating passive voice seems to be one of the bigger challenges in shifting over to content writing or, mm-hmm. or journalism, because everything we do and everything we read as nurses is passive voice, it's research, it's objective, it's, you know, and everything we wrote as papers was largely passive voice. And so it's, and even in practice, uh, we're not, we are, you know, not judging any of our patients, and we want to lay out the options, but we don't want to particularly push maybe for a certain one, we're just being, like you said, very objective in our practice. Um, but we, you need to switch it up a bit here and, and get comfortable using your voice. Exactly. That, that's an excellent point. Yes. As we, as nurses, we try not to steer patients really towards a particular choice. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when we get into content writing, we are definitely trying to steer them towards a choice. So um, tell us a little about um, medical visual or cardio visual Tell us more about what the app is, what it does, what people can expect from it. Is this an app that our audience members who are still in clinical practice should check out? Like, I believe it's, is it aimed at clinicians or consumers? Just fill us in. 
Sure. Yeah. So uh, Medical Visual is an educational platform that is uh, that is dedicated to both patients and clinicians. We have two different versions of the app. When you go into download, um, when you go into download the app, you can select which one that you are. Um, and our content um, on the cardiovisual app is focused around cardiovascular disease and diabetes. And you can download it from any mobile device. You can watch videos from the comfort of your own home or from the hospital to your clinic. Our goal here is really providing, providing both patients and clinicians with trust, with a trusted educational resource. Um, and let's be real, everyone is learning on their phone these days or on the internet. And unfortunately, we're living in a bit of an era of misinformation. Uh, some of the things we see on Facebook or just Google in general really are horrific, for lack of a better word. And we figured if people are on their phones, why not provide them with a trusted resource? Um, our content is easily shareable. You can, right from the app, send a link to someone else's phone. All they have to do is click on it, and it'll open up uh, to whatever video infographic you might be sending them. Uh, we have we work with trusted experts from all over the globe, predominantly in the U.S., and um, all of our content is curated by clinicians like myself. There are quite a few more on the team that, um, that curate this content before we put anything up. And, um, you know, it's, it's really this type of work has made me so passionate uh, about my career again. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit burnt out after working in the COVID units. And this allows me to to go out there and tackle global health, global health issues and disparities in a different way than what I'm used to. Um, and on a large scale, we do have a, a, well over um, 400,000 patient users and 100,000 clinicians wow. that download the app. And that's not even including those that follow us on social media. Of course, you know, there's probably an overlap there somewhere. Um, but this really allows you to reach hundreds and thousands of people in a matter of it, a video. It's, it's amazing what technology can do to improve the health literacy of others um, and improve patient outcomes. And uh, if you go over to the cardiovisual Instagram, uh, we do Instagram lives. When I end those, typically it's more clinician geared um, on there. We, we speak about, you know, different treatment options uh, for different disease states. There's sometimes 700 people in the live event. Wow. And you say to yourself, wow, during COVID, we cannot get 700 people in a room for a conference like this. Um, you know, maybe now we're making some progress in terms of large scale events, but it's just amazing what you can do with technology for such a, a with such a click of a button. <laughs> I'm so passionate about this um, of nurses and, and frankly, other clinicians. I mean, our interwriter works with clinicians of all kinds, 
mm-hmm. nurse practitioners, MDs, pharmacists, social workers, we, everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm so passionate about the impact this can have on public health. Like we can really take our nursing skills and knowledge and use it in a way that, as you said, affects not only massive numbers of people, but especially during a time like right now when we can't do one-on-one necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, even at that, if we, you know, if we were touching 20 people a day, you know, that would be a lot as a nurse. And this way we can, we can touch 2000 easily. Right. And technology, whether we like it or not, as much as I try and stay off of social media, it's here to stay. Let's use it for, let's use it for good. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think on, on that note, is there anything else you would like to tell our audience, anything you would like our audience to know about getting started as a nurse writer or advice that you can give? Of course. Yes. It's, it's so, it, it's scary leaving the bedside um, or maybe not leaving the bedside completely, but maybe dropping your hours or um, doing what you need to do to be able to start your career in writing. But if you put the time in and the effort in and you network yourself properly, then it will pay off for you. Um, And just considering everything when it comes to um, the, you know, the salary difference, if there is one, your benefits and just having a game plan set. Um, So for, for when you get there, um, you know how to tackle those apps, uh, obstacles, um, and looking into the different, um, into the different options available. It, I have to say my quality of life has improved a ton, um, by making this career change, of course, um, especially since, uh, COVID is still an issue. I, I do have guilt. I, um, wish I was at the bedside more, but, you know, for at this point in my life, um, you know, due to some personal reasons, it's really best that um, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm happy with what I do. I'm reaching people on a large scale. So just do what works for you and your physical and mental health um, and go ahead and take that risk because as long as you put the work in, it will 100% pay off. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for being here today, for taking some time out of your busy workday over there across the pond. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. I hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. If you're interested in exploring a freelance writing career, check out our website at rntowriter.com or connect with us on social media at rntowriter. Don't forget, we launch new YouTube and podcast episodes every week, and you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's the RN to Writer Show. Until next time, nurse writers, keep pitching!